Amen. Please do take your seats again. We're going to open God's Word. If you'd like to use one of these church Bibles, uh, hopefully you grab one on the way in. Or if you haven't, just signal, and my colleague Ben will pass one down to you. We're in Isaiah chapter 9, and in this Bible it's on page 694, 694, Isaiah chapter 9. Let's read. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is God's word. Brilliant, thanks, Mike. Should we pray as we come to God's word? Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that yours are the words of eternal life. Father, please help us to hear you speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you can think back um, to a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, uh, if you were here, then we've uh, begun this little short series looking at the theme of hope in the book of Isaiah. Uh, and if you were here, uh, you remember we began with that really big question that that I think pretty much everyone asks at some point, often multiple points in their life. That was, what is wrong with the world? What is wrong with the world? What, what has happened? What has gone wrong? As we, as we look at the, the mess around us on, on, on a big scale, from coronavirus to climate change, as we uh, consider politics and poverty, all the, the mess, all the muck, all the problems. What has gone wrong? What is wrong with the world? And Isaiah gave us uh, his answer, the Lord's answer, didn't he? Uh, he said that the, the fundamental problem with the world is that people have deserted God. Uh, that, that's what's at the root uh, of everything that is wrong. We have turned our back on our maker. That's what we saw in 
Isaiah chapter 1. And we saw it with shocking clarity, didn't we? In the life of Israel. That God's own people had abandoned him. They had forsaken the Holy One of Israel. And the result was darkness. Turn your back on God, and the result was despair. We can see that again in chapter 8 of Isaiah and verse 21, just before uh, the reading we've just had. Just look there, chapter 8, verse 21. Isaiah says, Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they're famished, they'll become enraged, and looking upward, they will curse their king and their God. They will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Isaiah's point for for most of the book so far has been that when you turn your back on God, the one who is light and life, well, obviously what you're left with is darkness and death. That was true for Israel back in Isaiah's day, and it remains true for people today. But this evening, I want us to flip the question around a little bit. We've seen that the big problem in the world is that people have turned their back on God. But the question for us this evening is, has God turned his back on us? Or or if you you want to put it another way and you want to step into the shoes of a a faithful Israelite living 3,000-ish years ago, imagine yourself to be that person, someone who, who really does believe in the Lord. Someone who's trying to be faithful to him, but, but you're surrounded by all this mess, all this darkness and despair. Your, your nation has been conquered, your people scattered, your city destroyed, and so you're left wondering, where is God in all of this? Has he abandoned us forever? Has he, has he forgotten his promises, given up on his people? Israel has deserted God, but has God deserted them? That was the question then, and, and it's the same question that people ask today, isn't it? As, as people look at the darkness and despair in the world, they often conclude that if there is a God, then he simply can't be that interested in the world that he's made. A bit like a, a, an absent landlord who just lets their flat fall into ruin. God has just given up on his creation. He, he's abandoned us. Even as Christians, if you're a Christian here this evening, you, you, we can be tempted to think like this, can't we? We can ask, where is God in the mess of my relationships? Where is he in the, the darkness of my diagnosis? Has, has God given up on me? He seems so distant, so detached, so disinterested in my life. Has God deserted us? Well, that's the question for us this evening. It's the question that brings us to Isaiah chapter 9. Because in in Isaiah 9, we see that that far from deserting his people, God is determined to rescue them. Far from being disinterested or detached, God intends to deal with the darkness that we face. And so that's the first thing that we see, isn't it? That Isaiah says, to those walking in darkness, a light is coming. Look at verse 2 again, chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. Mike's already said this evening that, that we're in a particularly dark time of year in the UK, aren't we? Winter is dark and gloomy in this country. The days are short. It, it's dark before you get home from work or from school. And frankly, it all gets a little bit depressing after a while. But, but one benefit of, of this time of year is that you don't have to be up that early in the morning in order to see the sunrise. And there's been a few mornings over the past couple of weeks where it's been this, this amazing display. I don't know if you've seen it, where one minute it's been completely dark, pitch black, but then the next minute it's like the, it's like the sky has been set on fire. Bright oranges and, and reds and pinks kind of come through the curtains in place of all the, the grey and blue and black. I love being able to see the sunrise at this time of year, to see the, the light just banish the darkness. And that's the image that Isaiah wants us to have as we read these words. It's the picture he gives us. He says, look, the, the world is walking in darkness because of rebellion, because of the sin that we thought about back in chapter 1. It's like the lights have been turned off. There's this, this permanent gloom, this, this shadow of, of darkness and death and despair that, that hangs over us. And no matter how, how, how hard we try, we, we can't quite ignore it. We can't quite push it away. We're living in a land of darkness, says Isaiah, but into that darkness, a light dawns. And just like the sunrise in the morning, this light will banish the darkness. It'll drive it away. When the light dawns, darkness is destroyed. And despair is replaced with joy. Did you see that? Look at verse 3. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. That word enlarged there, it can also be translated multiply. It's the same word that God uses when he makes those, those amazing promises to Abraham back in Genesis. Remember how, Abraham, uh, how God promised to uh, multiply or to enlarge the nation, Abraham's family? He would make him into a great nation that would bring blessing to the whole world. That was the promise back then. And so it's like Isaiah is saying to the people, no, God hasn't forgotten He's not forgotten his promise. He's not given up on his people. No, he will enlarge the nation. He'll, he'll multiply the nation. And, and the result will be great joy. See how many times joy comes up just in verse 3? Again, they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. When the light dawns, Isaiah says, the gloom will be replaced with gladness. Instead of restlessness, they'll be rejoicing. And they'll be filled with joy because, well, because of the rescue that the Lord will bring. Look at verse 4. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. We began uh, looking at Isaiah two weeks ago on Remembrance Day. Uh, only two weeks ago. And you can remember, there are all sorts of, all sorts of images, aren't there, that, that are associated with that day, with, with the end of war. 
there's the poppy that most of us wear. There's the, the silhouette, like the one of the soldier just down the road. The cenotaph in London. But one image that always stands out to me is those pictures of people celebrating on VE Day after the Second World War. On the 8th of May 1945, the, the streets of London were, were packed, absolutely rammed with people rejoicing. Why? Because the enemy had been defeated. We had won. War was over. And again, that's the image that Isaiah wants us to have in our head. It's the picture we're given. He says, when the light dawns, there'll be great rejoicing, great joy. Why? Because the battle is won. God's enemies are utterly defeated. Every warrior's boot, every garment used in war is going to be destroyed. Thrown into the fire. There'll be no more need for it. Just as he's done in the past in, in Midian and in Egypt, God will rescue his people from the hand of their oppressor. He'll shatter the yoke. He'll destroy their enemies. And he'll restore his people. And unlike Armistice Day or VE Day, this victory will last forever. We're going to see much more of this next week, but, but when the light dawns, Isaiah says hostility will end. There'll be a, a permanent ceasefire. God's people are going to rejoice, not for a few days, not until the next disaster strikes or the next battle begins. No, they'll rejoice forever because God has won. And so can you see here what, what an amazing promise there is tucked away in this, this little bit of Isaiah, this familiar Christmas passage, is the glorious promise that one day darkness will be destroyed. One day a light will dawn and when it does, all the terrible consequences of our rebellion and our sin will be dealt with for good. When this light dawns, there will be no more despair. There'll be no more depression, no more disaster, no more death. When the light dawns, people who are full of gloom will be filled with joy. And so the obvious question is, who or what is Isaiah talking about? Who's the light? Who has the power to banish all darkness in the world? Who can deal with the, the deep despair that we, that we feel in our soul? Look at verse 6. Familiar words, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Isaiah says the future of humanity, the future of this world, of your life and my life, rests on a baby. And let me just say, please, please don't let familiarity with this passage take away the shock of what Isaiah is saying in verse 6. Don't miss how surprising and how frankly ridiculous this would have sounded and still sounds to lots of people. Isaiah is saying, you want to know what the hope is, what the solution is to the big problem in the world. It's a baby. It's a child. 
I've got two children. I love them very, very much. But I can categorically tell you they are not the solution to my problems. Babies don't fix things. But that is what Isaiah is saying. That is what the Lord is saying as he, as he holds out this huge hope for humanity. He says, it's a child, a baby. That's what you've been waiting for. He says, a baby is coming, and when he does, he's going to make everything right. As the hymn, O Holy Night, puts it, the weary world will rejoice when this Savior is born. This baby is going to fix the darkness. How, how on earth is that possible? What sort of baby can do this? Look at how he's described in verse 6. He, this baby, this, this child will be called Wonderful Counselor. Whether it's a, a professional or not, all of us ha- have received and given counsel at, at various points in our lives. I wonder if you realize that we, we receive and give counseling all of the time. All of us speak to other people and listen to other people about our lives, about the things that we experience, the joys and the sorrows, the decisions and the questions. All of us look to and listen to the advice of others. And we know, don't we, that sometimes people's counsel can be really good and helpful. Other times, not so much. We all know what good counseling is, but what makes someone a wonderful counsellor. What would it take for this child to be a wonderful counsellor? Well, surely as we think about it, it's someone that that doesn't just know the right path to walk. It's someone that's walked it themselves. It's someone who's able to give more than just good advice from a distance, but who walks alongside us. Someone who feels the things we feel. And Christmas is a time when we remember that is exactly what God has done in sending his son, Jesus. Christmas reminds us that that God doesn't just shout down advice from heaven. Keep going. You can make it. Instead, he, he leaves heaven and he joins us in the mess. He walks our path. He enters our darkness. Isaiah says, this baby is a wonderful counsellor. He's come to be with you. But more than that, verse 6, he's mighty God. Because in the end, the problem with all human counsellors, even the best ones, is that they are human. In other words, they're limited. They can only do so much. You can only do so much for the people in your life. We can only go so far. Even the best counsellors don't have the, the real power that it takes to change you or your situation. But here Isaiah says, this baby's not like them. He is mighty God. Which means that he's more than just a good listener. He's powerful. He's able to deal with the darkness in the world and fix the weariness in your soul. And again, that's exactly what we see with Jesus, isn't it? As you read through the Gospels, the the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, you see that whenever he's faced with darkness, he doesn't just have a nice word to say. No, he deals with it. He has the power to beat it. 
But when he's faced with the darkness of sickness, he beats it. When faced with the darkness of suffering, he beats it. When faced with the ultimate darkness of death, Jesus beats it. He's mighty God. And then thirdly, he's the everlasting Father. Now, Isaiah is not getting his doctrine of the Trinity all muddled up here. He's not confusing the Father and the Son. No, he's using the image of a parent to describe how Jesus, this this child, is going to grow up to relate to his people. And so just as a, a loving parent would do anything and give everything for the good of their children, so Jesus gives up his home in heaven to rescue his people. He gives up everything. He gives up his life to save people from the darkness of sin. And you see, whether he's, he's the everlasting father. Again, for, for many, this time of year, Christmas, is a time when we long for the family that we don't have. It's a time when we can feel worn down with grief at the loss of a family member. When that is all the more painful at this time of year. It's a time of year when we can feel let down by people that are meant to love us and be there for us. But in Jesus Christ, we have an everlasting Father, one who will never let us down, one who will never leave us, one who welcomes us into his everlasting family. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and then finally, prince of peace. Uh, So far we've thought a lot this evening about uh, how the world is a dark place. How when when we're realistic about it, we can see it's a place full of pain and suffering. It's difficult and depressing a lot of the time. And all of that gets us down. It, It makes us weary. But as we saw a few weeks ago, when we actually stop to think about it, that the big problem isn't, isn't what's going on out there. It's not what's on our BBC News feed. Now, the real problem is in here, isn't it? As one person put it, the heart of a human problem is the problem of the human heart. And so just like in Isaiah's day, people haven't changed. By nature, all of us reject God. All of us ignore him in our hearts and choose to to listen to and to live for other things. And so the result says that by nature, everyone's hearts are dark. That is where it begins. That is at the root. They are dark with sin. And it's our sin, that that darkness that ruins our relationship with God and, and ruins our relationships with other people. Which means the peace that we so desperately need, that the peace that we're going to talk about a lot this time of year, but the peace that we need is not the peace of a holiday by the beach. It's not the, the quiet peace of the Buddhist monk or the mountain retreat. No, the peace we need more than anything else is peace with God. And wonderfully, that is the peace that Jesus brings. And so 700 years after Isaiah speaks these words, on a dark hillside, there are a bunch of shepherds who are blinded by a brilliant light as a host of angels appears to announce the birth of what? A baby. 
a child. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. If you've got a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. Let's see what these angels announce. If you've got a church Bible, it's on page 1027. Luke chapter 2. And look at verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Do you see what the angels are saying? This is Isaiah 9, isn't it? This is the moment Isaiah spoke of. The moment when light dawned. It's in the arrival of this baby. This child that joy and peace come. This baby laid in a manger. This is God's peace. Come to a sinful dark world. Jesus is the promised prince of peace. He is the one who's come to to deal with our sin. To restore our relationship to God and to each other. He is the one who brings us out of darkness and into glorious light. He is the one who reconciles God's enemies so that we can be his friends. This baby does that. Next week we're going to see a whole lot more about how this baby does that, how Jesus does this. We'll see how he brings about God's perfect kingdom that Isaiah mentions in verse 7 of chapter 9. The kingdom of perfect peace and justice and righteousness. A kingdom that has already come, but is not yet fully realized. A kingdom that we can belong to today and enjoy forever. But for now, can you see, maybe for the hundredth time, can you see and be amazed at the fact that Jesus, the baby that was born at Christmas, is wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In other words, he is the light that dawns in the darkness. He is the one who brings hope to a weary world because he is the one who says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's in Jesus that the light dawns. Let's pray together. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born. This will be the sign you will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Oh, Father, forgive us for the over-familiarity of these one, we often have of these wonderful words that in the birth of Jesus, in the birth of this baby, hope has come. The light has dawned. Father, whatever our situation, whatever we face today, 
or this Christmas, would we cling to and hold out the hope that is found in Jesus? And we pray it in his name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing once more as we close our time together uh, a song all about this king of light uh, that we've just been seeing in Isaiah. So as the band are ready, let's stand and sing You Are My King.